You're listening to Further Faster in association with Montaigne, the podcast that asks ultra-athletes, mountaineers, and explorers the why and the how. Hello, and welcome to Further Faster in association with Montaigne. My name is Daniel Nielsen, and it's my job to ask about the why. Why do explorers, ultra-athletes, and mountaineers do what they do, and how do they get through their toughest moments? So this month, we talk to Katie Parrott, a person who's endured some of the toughest moments I think we've ever featured on this podcast. Kidnapped, held in a stressed position for seven hours, locked in a coffin. You see, Katie was a participant in the BBC programme Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week, an experience that quite quickly changed her life forever. For the better, I should add, as well. We learn about her adventurous spirit and where it comes from, how she deals with those low moments in an ultramarathon, and how teamwork can help push through the most adverse conditions. Um, I should also say at the outset that we briefly talk about the death by suicide of a friend of hers. Katie is a remarkable force with some amazing plans, but first you've just got to listen to where she recorded this. It's amazing. Listen in. Okay, so here I am uh, with Katie Parrott. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. So, I've um, well, we've got you here really just to talk a little bit about what you've done and where you've come from, and but also really delve into kind of why you do what you do. Now, um, you'll have heard in the intro that there's a, a long list of uh, a, a very diverse range of things that you kind of get up to, but most the thing that I really want to know now is where exactly are you? Tell tell us where you are. <laughs> Well, I can't tell you the exact location or um, I'd have to hunt you down and wipe your memory. Okay, which uh, I think you I, could probably do. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, I'm on a military base at the moment. So um, I'm an army reservist. I've been serving for two years mm-hmm. and um, I'm attached to an infantry battalion okay. um, as a combat medic. So I'm on my third combat medic course. Um, so it's a, it's a four week course it's actually for regulars so I'm a little bit of an outcast here as a reservist but um yeah I'm on my on my third day at the moment so I've still got just over, just under four weeks to go right okay I mean there's so many questions to ask from here um, um, what, <laughs> fire away yeah sure so yeah let, let's delve on this a little bit why are you doing this okay well why did you become an army reservist in the first place um so my so just over two years ago, I appeared on the BBC series Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week. Mm-hmm. I applied on a little bit of a whim. It was one of those things that my uh, one of my friends suggested, oh, you should give it a go. And I just went, oh, right then. Um, and never never actually thinking that I'd get onto the show. And then after three rounds of, of pretty horrendous selection and interviews and fitness testing, I, um, I got the call to say I was selected and... Um, got flown out to South Africa, took part in the show, and um, I ended up just enjoying it a lot more than I ever thought I would, and a few of the instructors there suggested that I join the reserve, so as soon as I got home, I went to the uh, Army Careers Office, and the rest is history. Blimey, so you did quite well in the show, didn't you? Yeah, I I, I did a lot better than than I ever thought I would, Um, so I got to the, the sixth episode, which was the final episode, and ended up coming joint fourth. Um, which I think was was quite a surprise because I was the smallest there. I was one of the youngest um, competing against men that are, you know, sort of triple my height because I am a little bit of a hobbit. Okay. Um, and, I, you know, I had to carry the same weight, do all the same tasks. So um, I remember saying to my friends before I went, oh, if I get to the 
the third episode, I'd be really chuffed with that. So to get to the sixth was just sort of, you know, out of my wildest dreams, really. Amazing. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to a little bit about why, why you decided to get on that. So um, you came home and then you said, right, I'm going to join the reservist. What, what, what does it mean to be a reservist for those of us who don't know? <laughs> so um, essentially you're a part-time soldier um, and you have to commit. It's a minimum of 28 days a year alongside your civilian career, um, but you can do a lot more if you want. So um, since the end of March this this year, I've already done about eight weeks with the reserves. Okay. Um, so that's taken me uh, winter mountaineering in Scotland. Um, so I've started all my mountain leader training, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just come back from a short deployment in Armenia, and then I went on to Georgia and, and did some mountaineering there. Okay. Um, and, and then, of course, doing my medic training as well. Okay. And like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll touch upon Georgia as well because that sounds a, an amazing trip. But um, why then did a medic um, kind of the opportunity appear? Why, 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 why was that the area that you wanted to specialize in? Um, as, as a medic, I mean, it's transferable skills that you can sort of bring into any walk of life. Um, and I, I really wanted to sort of learn those and transfer them into my civilian career as well. Um, and you know, if I do end up going to war and getting deployed, I'd like to think that I'd be going out there to, to help people, um, and, and sticking people back together. It just, it just seemed like a a really sort of worthwhile role to get into. Yeah. And, and, and that's the reality, isn't it? You could be deployed. I could, yes. Yeah, we're not just people that that sit back and let the regulars do it. There are opportunities to to get out there and do proper deployments. So that may be on the cards. We shall see. Blimey. Okay, okay. Um, (laughs) And and what's your civilian career then? Um, So I uh, spent the last two years working for Monty Halls. So he's um, ex-Royal Marine. So Mm -hmm. he kind of gets the whole reservist thing, which is great. Yeah. and he turned TV presenter and then set up his own production company, yep. specializing in adventure, wildlife, uh, travel, expedition, TV production. Um, so, yeah, I worked for him for the last two years. Um, but I've actually taken a step back from that. Um, two weeks ago, I finished right. my contract there um, just to focus a bit more time on um, some Army Reserve courses Um and more time into training for ultras and mountaineering so yeah taking a bit of time out to, to, to sort of a bit of self-development really okay uh, so let's kind of let's let's go all all the way back let's try to understand how you got this <laughs> I know, let's say I rather like... adventurous spirit <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah when when have you always as it was it the outdoors that always appealed to you or was it the fitness that always appealed to you when at what kind of age were you yeah could you, uh, could you see a bit of a an interesting future ahead of you so I was quite lucky as a kid um I did quite a lot of traveling with my family so at the age of six I was off to Australia um at 14 I was out in Kenya on safaris um at 17 I went to Nepal and did some trekking along the Annapurna trail wow. um so the travel side has sort of been instilled from from quite a young age what, what, um, what were the seminal moments what were the moments that you think when you look back now are those that uh, you, your path your 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 path of life maybe was shifted a little bit 
on safari seeing um a cheetah sing a gazelle i mean that was that was a pretty un- unbelievable experience for a 14 year old to see um and sort of just right in the thick of of the bush and you know kind of realize how exposed and vulnerable you are um and seeing wildlife in their natural habitat kind of gravitated me towards the wildlife filmmaking side of things okay. um but then all all the, the the sporty endurance stuff sort of came later. I mean, I, I've always been into sport, um, but as a kid, I was a bit of a tomboy and sort of did yeah. did the classical boy sports instead. So I I didn't really find netball interesting. So I played football and rugby instead. Right. Um, and were, were you a, good at them? Yeah, not too bad actually. Yeah, not yeah. bad. I um I played rugby at at my uni. Um, what position? Got in, uh, I started as center, so number 13, mm-hmm. um, and then I got moved to seven. So, um, yeah, in, in the scrum, which I didn't actually enjoy as much because I'm quite small, I just kept getting flattened. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and so, so fitness has always been kind of part of your life. Was it always something that was really, was it the fitness side of things or was it the sports side of things? I, I mean, would you count yourself as competitive? I'm definitely competitive, yeah, and I think um, having an older brother as well kind of helps with that. Because as as a little sister, I always wanted to be able to keep up with him mm-hmm. and do everything that he could do. So even just little things like skateboarding, you know, he'd go to the skate park and I'd just tag along as his little sister and be like, "I want to skate too." <laughs> Gosh, are you still like that? <laughs> I'm a, um, no, me and my brother have ended up very different, actually. Right. Um, yeah, very different, but. I mean, I'm still, yeah, very competitive. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, okay, so you're, you're at university, you're playing rugby, playing a bit of football and, and kind of keeping, keeping fit. When, what, what was the kind of the, the next kind of big leap after university or, or was it during university when you, you chose this, the, the next moment that you chose that life sent you in a different direction, let's say? Um, so after my undergraduate degree in biology, mm-hmm. I took a year out to um, backpack around the world for a year um, and just really get to see different cultures, um, you know, get stuck in experience them, get off the beaten track as well. So go on some quite remote treks in um, like northern Vietnam, um, in Myanmar, um, in Indonesia. Wow. Um, so that kind of that really pushed my sort of interest in the wilderness and exploring and getting out into nature and then um, I came back from my traveling and did a master's in wildlife filmmaking and it was during the master's that my friend suggested I apply for ultimate hell week Um, and I think that that ultimate hell week was probably the biggest turning point for me in terms of then wanting to throw myself into bigger challenges just to see really how far I could push myself Okay, so you kind of so you applied and then you 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 were accepted or you went through various acceptance processes. Yeah, were you, were you then kind of like, oh my god, I've got to get fit, like super fit? Were you? Uh, so I was already training sort of four or five times a week beforehand. Um, okay. You know, fitness has always been in my nature, but then I got uh, it was five weeks between getting the call to say that I was selected to then stepping on that plane. Um, and in that five weeks, they sent us um, a pair of military boots and a, a training program for, for those five weeks. So I was yeah, running around Bristol in my boots with a Bergen on my back oh my um, at sort of all hours of the day, right. seven in the morning, nine at night. Um, 
and I, yeah, I was training up to eight times a week at that point for, for those full five weeks. I sort of became a little bit of a hermit, sure. <laughs> just mainly because, um, you know, I didn't want to go on telly and sort of make a fool out of myself because I wasn't conditioned. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, did, I did then up my game during those during those five weeks. Okay. And and was it, I mean, you were you excited? Were you scared? What, what were the what were the kind of the emotions that you felt when this was did did you feel as though it was going to be a big moment yeah i think my uh, when i got the call my initial response was oh god what have i got myself into because uh-huh. i'd i'd watched the first series and kind of knew you know there'd be similar tasks so a lot of sleep deprivation mm-hmm. um sort of getting thrashed at all hours carrying loads of weight loads of kits um a lot of mental sort of tasks as well so it's yeah. not just physical it's trying to wear you down mentally as well um but I was just quite excited to to discover how I do because you know obviously you can train for these things physically um you know by by conditioning yourself but mentally until you you know you've been kidnapped and held in stress positions all night you've got no idea how you're going to react and you can't really prepare for that either. You can't train so, for that in the middle of Bristol, can n- you? No, unless, you know, I, I got my friend to kidnap me in the middle of Tesco or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, Which could go horribly wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I was quite excited, actually, just to just to see how I do. And 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 sort of honestly, how did you think you would do? Do you think, did, did you expect the kind of the mental strength that you showed because because it was untested territory but I guess in the back of your mind were you thinking I think I might be able to handle this I think I kind of went in with the attitude as I was not going to quit at any point so I'd kind of already decided I was going to be a stubborn little madam um it was the physical side I was probably more worried about um just you know I am small and uh petite and sort of carrying all that kit and and being thrashed for you know all day all night continuously wasn't something that I was used to so that was sort of more of the the bigger worry really right okay okay and so what what was what was some of the kind of the biggest challenges that you you went through in that in, uh, in, in so, the whole program I mean what, what 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 were the moments that just scared you or you know yeah were it was um the worst moment for me was the end of the third episode. Um, so I'd been singled out the night before and, and locked in a coffin. Oh, <laughs> um, my God. Yeah, which okay. was actually okay. It was it was strange because it was the first time I'd been on my own for a week. Right. So I just I actually went, oh, a bit of a bit of rest, a bit of peace and quiet. Um, so I didn't actually mind that. I just had a little snooze in this coffin um, until they started filling it with freezing cold water that kind of woke me up a bit yeah that's um so i'd I'd had quite a disturbed night let's say Mm -hmm. um and i was the only one that had to do this and then the next day um the american green beret guy he he again singled me out to be one of the team leaders so it was a it was a little bit relentless i was like oh come on give me a break yeah and we um we were chucked onto these sand dunes it was about 40 degrees so it was just it was sweltering and we had to carry this 90 kilo dummy or make a stretcher out of two giant logs mm-hmm. carry this dummy um, and then collect loads and loads of kit along the way so we were out there for about four hours having to navigate as well um and you know by the end we were probably carrying 
about 50 kilos each, which is pretty much my body weight. Right. Um, and, and one of the one of the bits of kit was just a crate of sand. And I was just fuming. I was like, why am I carrying sand on sand dunes? Yeah. Um, yeah. And my team lost. So I felt you know, like I, I was responsible for that. And that getting to the, the, the end of that task, we had to climb up the biggest sand dune out there with all the kit and I just collapsed straight away. That was probably the most broken I've ever felt. Right. It was horrendous. And I was convinced that I was going to get sent home as well. So I just felt gutted. Right. What What do you think you learned about yourself going through that process? Oh, I mean, so much. It, it, it revealed this sort of, you know, physical and mental resilience that I didn't know I had. Um, And it did reveal that you are, most people are able to push themselves so much further than they actually think. Right. Um, You know, before I'd take one look at those sand dunes and go, oh, there's no, there's no way I could stay out there for four hours if someone had told me that. But actually you just carry on and, and if you push yourself, you can do it. So do you reckon a lot of people have that within them? To... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I think people are either, I don't know, too afraid to explore it or or, or uninterested, which is totally fair enough. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you get people like me and other endurance athletes that want to push those boundaries and see how far you can push yourself. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, really. Right. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure everyone's idea of getting in a water-filled coffin would necessarily. No. I, I, I have no desire to explore that part of my, my mental resilience. I don't blame you. <laughs> um, so, so when you're, you know, when you're going through this thing, I mean, how do you, how do you cope with, you know, and, and maybe some of the things that you've done before. We'll we'll talk about the 100 kilometer later on, but I mean, bear this in mind as well. How, what, what's your, what's your mental process going through? Are you thinking? I'm just going to keep going. Are you thinking, I mean, what are the techniques that you use? So I always say to myself that it is going to end at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be applied to anything. Um, and it's just, you know, you, you might not know how long it, it will take till it ends, but it will end at some point. And it's just staying focused, staying calm um, and, and hoping that you can get to that end point. Uh, so, there was the first night actually on hell week um my my team got kidnapped um and we were hooded and cable tied and we were we were sat out in the middle of the south african bush mm-hmm. um just in t-shirt and combats with most of us had mild hypothermia so i think at one point my body temperature was taken and it was um 34 degrees right um and we were sat in these stress positions all night with no sleep and um I just remember thinking to myself, this is what mind over matter really is. Okay. Um, because, you know, they can't keep me here forever. Um, so just, just, you know, keep focused and it will end and just stick it out until then. But, and, and, you know, if, if, if I, if I, if we were to kind of draw a graph of your, 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 your mood over, over that night, let's say, would, do do you kind of, do you have did you maintain a steady level or did you kind of get low and then think no come on Katie you can do this and and lift yourself up again how how did that look yeah I definitely have a a, you know a bit of a roller coaster of emotions Mm so you do go through times where like why am I doing this I've got nothing to prove to anyone um but at the same time I'm here I can't quit um 
so yeah just just I did keep having to just snap myself back into in, into the scenario and and just talk myself around it's I don't know if anyone would be able to sit there for seven hours in stress positions totally calm the whole time I think that would take a wizard to be honest yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> enough fair enough and, and what about kind of later later things that you've done so I'm thinking the 100k was it was that kind of a similar thing as well or was that much more um so the 100k... I was about to say relaxing but that's clearly not relaxing <laughs> but do you know what I mean it's not yeah it's different because um at least with with ultimate hell week as well you're there as a team mm-hmm. so although you know a lot of the tasks you were doing on your own you knew that everyone was in it together yeah um and that did help a lot yeah. um and and you know you, you can't get through a lot of these things on your own it did take a lot of teamwork to get the final six of us to the end um and and, and, and how how did you how did you fare as a, a team player did did was it something that you know you would you know you'd played team sports and you know you've you've got your friends around you obviously but um do did that side come out even more or yeah know? definitely okay. um i mean when you're in those situations you've yeah i mean you've got to support each other so much right because if 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 i don't support others others won't support me um, so it was definitely like a two-way thing, and mm-hmm. and we made really good friends with with people that were that were on Hell Week. Because um, when you when you're just chucked into those scenarios, you kind of get to know each other very very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, you know, none of us could have got to the end without the others. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But but the hundred k was a totally different thing because I was there on my own. Um, it was a sort of individual, personal. Um, mission of mine yeah. so I, I didn't have those others around me to sort of pick me up and and keep me going so it was very much telling myself just to crack on okay okay so with you've you've done the hell week you you're impressed I guess with how well you've done and 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 so what, what were the little things that you decided to do afterwards so you came back and you wanted to join the reservists yeah well actually um so I was in the middle of my master's at the time when I was filming Hell Week and I was already um, booked in to make my own short film, kind of my thesis. Yeah. Um, and the date that, because I didn't expect to get to the end, um, so, you know, perhaps <laughs> la- <laughs> lacking in, in confidence in my own ability, I thought I'll be fine, I can get home, I can sort my kit and then uh, fly off to Bulgaria, which is where I'd chosen to make my film. Right. Um, and my film was basically a 400-kilometer trek through um, along the length of the Rodopi Mountains in southern Bulgaria. You don't make Bulgaria. life easy for yourself, do you? No, <laughs> um, but because I'd got to the end, I had two days to turn around right. um, to get back from South Africa, um, kind of process what the hell had just happened, um, pack my kit, and then fly to Bulgaria to trek 400 kilometers with. 30 kilos of kit on so uh, <laughs> it was a bit of a mad a mad couple of months really it, my gosh it sounds like it so, so so tell us about the trek and 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 how did that pan out what 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 was the idea behind the film so um the Rodopi mountains are um a biodiversity hotspot mm-hmm. so there's loads of european wildlife there um there's brown bears in the mountains so that meant that we had to trek along with um bear spray and a holster so it kind of looked a little bit badass yeah um but then did you quite like know, that I, I did a little bit <laughs> <laughs> um and then having to wild camp in bear territory as well meant that 
every night so that there was three of us every night we had to put all of our sort of smelly items in a bear bag and, and chuck it up over a tree 200 meters from camp just to make sure that bears didn't attack us while we slept yeah um but it was just it was it was an amazing adventure and although it was you know it wasn't physically easy obviously because we had to be self-sufficient for the for the four weeks um it it did sort of give me a chance to reset and and reflect after being tortured and abused for, sure. for two weeks um and it was just some of the most pristine wilderness i've ever seen um and and for those four weeks we didn't see one other person trekking wow uh, so we'd go days and days without seeing other people um and and the people that we did meet were sort of tiny little mountain villages that thought we were insane for for trekking um but the most welcoming people as well just the amount of gifts that i got given and had to sort of strap out onto the outside of my pack yeah, yeah. Um, like slippers and aprons and one man even offered to give me his cat um <laughs> it was it was just yeah, it was an amazing experience to um to go from hell week which was utter madness and then be able to sort of restore my faith in humanity sure. um, out in the mountains yeah i mean because i mean that meeting those people is a whole other aspect of you know this adventuring life it is meeting people in different cultures and you know we talk, we often talk about the the kind of the endurance side of things the the physical stress the mental stress but actually you know when you're in these remote areas you're just meeting a whole different side of you know the world and it and that yeah just lifts you I yeah imagine, uh, it, yeah it's amazing mentally. and you get to see a totally different way of life as well um you know a lot of these people lived sort of hours from anywhere um mm -hmm. and you know grew all their own produce made all sorts of interesting meals and drinks that i would politely eat <laughs> eat yeah. and drink uh -huh. having no idea what it was <laughs> excellent um and so did you feel as though your frame of reference i mean after the the hell week presumably you, you, that that frame of reference had shifted hasn't it you you do you re, did you think you could put up with an awful lot more going forward yeah definitely um i mean even in bulgaria i had horrendous um sort of blisters on my hips on my feet um and you know before i, I may have been like oh no this is too awful or my pack's too heavy but mm -hmm. i sort of went into it they're like do you know what? I've just been locked in a coffin and kidnapped for two weeks. Um, <laughs> nothing is going to be as bad as that. Um, and then I got back from Bulgaria and I just, I was like, right, what next? I can't just ignore this urge to, to do things and explore that, um, that strength. So mm -hmm. I wanted to see sort of what I could do next and really push it. And, and what was next? I am... Um, Signed up for an ultra marathon, even though I'd never run a half marathon before. Brilliant, brilliant. brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. just sign up straight in the deep end. Yep. Tell everyone about it so you can't back out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and, and so, uh, how long ago was this? Um. So that was. So I did my first ultra about. And under just over a year ago, actually. Wow. Okay. So it was September last year. Mm -hmm. Um. I did a 50k ultra over Dartmoor, right. which was utterly hideous. <laughs> okay. okay, worse than being kidnapped and tortured in South Africa. Um, up there. Different, different. <laughs> okay. Yeah, up there, different. <laughs> what, what was what, what was horrendous about it? 
Apart from the um, way you were chumping over bog. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, knee-deep bogs, um, sideways hail for a good four hours. Um, I probably wasn't as prepared as I could have been. Okay. Um, were you getting a bit cocky, do you think? Or, or you just um, didn't have the time or resource to... I think I just wanted to give it a go. Maybe, maybe you know, a little bit out of my depth, but okay. I gave it a go and I completed it. And then I was like, well, I've got to do something further now. Right. So, I mean, how did you fare on the 50? Was it so that, that was the first kind of long distance run that you've done? Um, how, how, how did you manage those low points or, you know, yeah, what, what, what were the tricky bits within that? Um, it was sort of. Because I hadn't, it was managing the the pain in my hips and knees. I think right. Okay. Um, so it's which, quite specific. Yeah, it was something I just I wasn't really used to. Because, like I said, I'd never even done a half marathon before it. Okay. Um, and yeah, just well, you're, you're stuck out in the middle of Dartmoor. You don't really have any other option but to just carry on. Yeah. Um, and like I said before, it was just that mentality of this is going to finish but obviously you have to keep moving for it to finish sure sure, um, sure. and I mean I must have enjoyed it in in some ways otherwise I would have signed up for <laughs> yeah I like I think I like to call it type two fun yeah so at the time it's it's not particularly fun but you look back and somehow forget about the hail and the muds and the blisters and go yeah that was all right actually yeah sure and the the, the kind of the sense of achievement at the end of it outweighs any I guess absolutely yeah yeah definitely um, and and so then you're like 50 Pah, I can do 100 now <laughs> I mean that makes sense right that's logical it, it does make sense in some, kind of, in some world yeah yeah probably not <laughs> in, in most world. people's heads but um again it was um one of those things where a friend asked if I do it and um, I do have this sort of inability to say no. So right. I went, yeah, all right, I'll give that a go. Um, and it turned out to be a lot more than than just running 100K. So um, it was 18 months ago, a friend of mine took her own life. Um, and I suppose I wanted to do something to to, to raise money for, for mental health and raise awareness. Um, and it gave me something to really focus on and, and a a way to grieve I guess yeah yeah um and unfortunately my friend that asked me to do it he got injured so had to drop out so I did end up doing it on my own right um but because I had such a strong purpose of doing it 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 gave me sort of the biggest drive possible yeah um yeah. and again I completely sort of excelled all my expectations I went into to just finish it and get it done mm-hmm. um and somehow ended up coming third female which was oh my goodness a massive okay. a massive shock I, I didn't expect that at all and sure. so I had my phone on me and, and I, I can't remember at what point but I got a, a message from my best mate because she was tracking me going you're third you're third and I was like <laughs> that puts more pressure on now I can't let any woman pass me right <laughs> and I mean you, you did it for um it was you were, you were raising money for mind is that right yeah, yeah. Okay. What was that? I mean, I, I mean, it's an awful, awful, awful thing, uh, a, a tragic thing. What was it, it? Something that? What? Why was it that charity in particular? I mean, what, what that that you that you did it for? Um. I mean. So obviously, my 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 friend, she um 
she had struggled with sort of mental health issues. Yeah. Um, and it's such a big talking point at the moment. And mm. I think for me, I, I hadn't spoken about it at all for at least a year after it happened. Some of my closest friends didn't even know it had happened. Right. Um, right. And by, by doing it for mind, it gave me a chance to speak out. And actually the response I got from, from a lot of people, many that I hadn't spoken to in years was just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it, it was the first time I sort of shared my story about yeah. it. Um, and people really, really appreciated that. And that sort of gave even more motivation to, to go and, and do well in it. Um, and the last thing that my, my friend said to me, actually the, the, the morning that she took her life was, um, I'm so proud of you. Right. And that was just something that was constantly in my head while I was running. Yeah. Um, yeah. cause if I didn't finish, then I would have, I would have let all the people that sponsored me down. I would have let her down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just couldn't have that. So yeah. I just kept on running. <laughs> I'm sure she's very proud. My goodness. And, yeah. and, and, and do you think, um, d- d- does, is it, is it something that you're, having having you know also gone through that grieving process and is it something that you bring into other parts of your life do you as well I mean you you raise money for for mind in this instance but do you Mm. think it has changed your outlook in the other things that you do as well um yeah definitely I mean you never know what's around that corner um so I'm very much just grab every opportunity that you can um and and expose yourself to as as many different things, as many different countries, um, and just gain as much experience as possible. And um, I'm, I'm a really strong believer in that the outdoors and exercise um, is the best thing for mental health as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I really encourage other people to just get outside and and do any form of exercise because you know, the, the science is out there, the proof is out there that it is just um, as effective as antidepressants. Sure. Um, I think they're better. Not that I that I know, but um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I just, I'm a strong advocate for, for people just getting out there. No matter what it is, you know, it doesn't have to be 100K, even if it's, you know, couch to 5K, I think that's just as important mm-hmm. um, because that's someone setting themselves a challenge and going for it. You... I'm sure that <laughs> what's your kind of theory and on why the outdoors is so healing for kind of men, mental health uh, uh, to put you on the spot, but um, I mean, what, I guess, what, what is it about it that, yeah, I think part of it is, is escapism. Okay. Um, so, you know, just stepping away from, from the daily grind, stepping away from social media, the city traffic, mm-hmm. um, and getting out into little pockets of nature that perhaps you didn't even know existed before. So, you know, I go trail running with, with a trail running group and they take me to, to little bits of countryside on my doorstep that I never knew existed. Sure. Um, and I just, I love that. It's a, a sense of exploration, um, fresh air, you know, there's nothing better than fresh air. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's also, you know, the people that you meet along the way. So, I've made amazing friends from from my trail running group and from other adventures, um, and that way, you know, you you can form little teams and and help each other and encourage each other to do stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. that's interesting. Because so, do, and when you're training for something specifically, do you train? Do you prefer to train as a group or 
Um, I'm, I like to mix up, actually. Um, I, I love, so I am a social creature. I love being around people. Um, and so I do love doing training runs. Um, I mix it up with sort of trail running and track as well, okay. which I absolutely hate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand track, but it, it, it does improve my running every week i'd try and think of right what what excuse have i got no yeah. no i've got to go um and I, See, I find that, 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 that sounds more mentally torturous than uh, than than a coffin <laughs> running yeah. around a track it's awful but um i know that it's good for me so right, okay. i just i force myself and also it does help it helps you know you get competitive as well because you want to be able to keep up with the person in front of you on the track so you end up pushing yourself further but then there are other times where I just want to be on my own, have my own agenda, my own route, um, just go into the woods, be a little feral woodland creature and run around and, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and home again. Okay. Um, okay. So you've done 100K. You're like, I've done my 50. Yep. Done 100K. Yep. What's yeah. next? How do you, you're not going to do 200K. Maybe you are. But what, what, you know, what, what's the sort of the next challenge that you set yourself? Um, I would love to do, so I love the mountains Mm -hmm. um, and I would love to do some kind of combined mountain ultra, but I don't know. I've got a few, a few ideas up my sleeve. um, So, yeah. So what what about the Georgia experience? So that was, um, that was with the reserves actually. So, um, I'd just come from Armenia where I was on a short deployment. And while I was out there, actually, I, while off duty, I managed to escape to um, the mountains in southern Armenia to, to do a bit of acclimatization training right. um, and experience Armenia like like tourists don't usually. So it was you know six hours in the back of a truck up horrendous mountain tracks um, just with some locals um, and got to see some incredible mountains do a bit of epic scrambling right. um a, a little bit of prep for georgia so then um i flew to georgia and met three guys from my unit so there's just four of us that went so i was quite lucky to to be one of the three that was selected yeah um and our aim was to summit mount kazbek so okay. that's in the caucus mountains right on the border of russia okay, okay. and um it's not a particularly technical um peak but it's it's a really dangerous one so our base camp was at um was a hut at just just over 3600 meters yeah and all over the hut were just missing posters um oh you know God. last last seen on on the glacier oh. at four in the morning um and it was just sort of a real harsh reminder of how how powerful nature is and the mountains are and and you know we are fragile and we've got to respect the environment um so yeah it was slightly nerve-wracking sort of crossing glaciers with big crevasses and lots of rockfall um and it was yeah a bit of a cheeky last day up to the summit but it was yeah an amazing experience and um like i was saying earlier sort of teamwork really important like coming into play there yeah 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 and um and so so you did, you, you summited in the on on one day. What what were the technical difficulties of it? Um, so we had to. So that day was um, an ascent of one thousand five hundred meters. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the the summit was five thousand and forty seven. Right. 
Okay. Um, and we had to set off at three in the morning. Um, so obviously the first bit of the climb was totally in the dark with head torches, which comes with, you know, problems itself. Yeah. Um, and when we got up onto the the glacier, well, the, the top of the glacier, which was about 4,000, um, we were stuck in a massive um, cloud. Um, right. So we had to wait out there for for about half an hour, but the, the wind chill was minus 20. Right. Um, so that was quite unpleasant. Um, and, you know, anyone that's been at altitude in that cold knows that as soon as you stop walking or hiking, then you're going to get cold straight away. Sure. Um, so I was sort of body popping all over the place. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the four of us up. just... Well, yeah, I wasn't dancing. I was, uh... <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, the, the four of us then had to sort of huddle like penguins. Um, and then it was um, quite... Then then luckily the, the cloud lifted, so it meant we could continue with our ascent. Um, and the last sort of... Um, 500 meter climb was really quite steep so it was you know we were all roped up together axes crampons mm-hmm. um having to do quite severe traverses up up the north face of this peak yeah. um it, and had you had much experience seeing that kind of climb um, before i've done i've done a little bit of it before so i've done some training in scotland in winter um and i had been up to over 5000 before in um bolivia Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a fairly new experience for me, I guess. Um, so having to do like crevasse rescue training, that was all new for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a pretty gnarly sort of last, last 300 meters. Um, and one, one of the guys sort of particularly struggled with the altitude. So, yeah. um, when we we're roped up suddenly, like we'd all stop, um, and you know, he was down on his knees and, um, yeah, it was quite hard at times trying to trying to be like you can do this. Like we're so close to the top, yeah. Um, and we just had sort of had to pick each other up and and make sure that we got there. What was it? Was the the kind of the I guess the the mental stress different than it was doing a fifty k or a hundred k? Was it, or, or or could you identify the same techniques to use while climbing as you were while running or in the hell week? Um. Yeah. It's. It's always this, the same thing of, of getting to that end goal, yeah, um, yeah. but then it's obviously managing the different variables. So with Kazbek, it was, you know, trying to manage the cold and make sure that I still had blood flow in my fingers and keeping my toes wriggling, mm-hmm. um, making sure that the others were okay, um, controlling my breathing, just, you know, make sure I didn't get too out of breath. Sure. Um, but, you know, it was still there is that end goal and we need to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been to Georgia. Oh, where and, have you been? Uh, well, we sort of did a, a, a trek again up, up kind of in the Caucasus uh, Mountains. But the, the, my overriding memory was uh, the dinners that they gave us, which were <laughs> they're just incredibly generous with their food and also their their alcohol. <laughs> Ch- well. Did you have cha-cha? Which was cha-cha? Remind me what that is. So that's their, um, it's like their homebrew moonshine, Georgian moonshine, basically. For breakfast. Um, One (laughs) one whiff of it and, you know, I'm I'm dancing on tables pretty much. (laughs) I just remember having, having, sitting around an enormous table with about 20 people and each one of us had to do a a toast um, with with some vodka and, and it 
just going on and then we did it the next day and the next day I, 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 remember, yeah. I remember it just been an incredibly generous spirit in Georgia but uh, yeah also quite boozy <laughs> yes we, we we had a bit of that during our descent um ended up getting given some cha-cha but okay. we had to drink it from a goat's horn brilliant <laughs> it's, which um, is kind of what you want after a trek isn't it it's like that, that's a full-on authentic experience <laughs> we still had um sort of over a thousand meters to descend though okay not so cool yeah. um so after a few it wasn't just one goat horn after a few goat horns full of cha-cha it was um it made her descent quite interesting in a in a massive thunder and lightning storm as well. Oh my goodness! Okay, well maybe it, maybe maybe it helped. <laughs> I actually think it did. I think I floated down. Oh, brilliant! That which is what you want to be doing, <laughs> With, without a worry in the world in a thunderstorm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, so you don't really kind of just looking ahead now. You, you're not really one hundred percent sure what the future holds. There, are, I mean, what, what what there are things that you fancy doing. What 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 kind of stuff? Um, so I, de- I would really love to do a, a longer ultra as mad as that sounds. Um, okay. so yeah, like, um, <laughs> one of the, the montane ones, okay. I know, I know it's just awful, isn't it? It's, it's slightly sadistic, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, you know, montane run it every year in the Italian Alps. It was three, 330 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. I'd love to do something like that at some point. Yeah, um, more than double looking... your last one. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> exponential growth. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and perhaps looking at running in the Pyrenees as well. Um, so really combining the mountains and ultras. Um, and then I've been approached about potentially doing an ocean row right. um, and maybe a crossing of Antarctica. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um Yes, we shall see. I think the next the next three years in particular, I think, are going to be quite exciting. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm definitely keen to do some mad, well, madder things, I suppose. Brilliant. Um, yeah, we'll see. It's just ticking them all off, you know, Rowan Ocean, uh, <laughs> Everest, Cross Antarctica. I've got, you know, a list on my wall. Just, so it's just getting through them now. Right. <laughs> do you actually genuinely have a list on the wall? Um. Not yet, but I think I'll make one now. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Something to do on Halloween. <laughs> I've got a mental list. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 Well, uh, no doubt we'll be catching up with you again um, very soon. And uh, yeah, we'll look with con- with keen interest <laughs> what you're going to be getting up to next. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for sure, we'll, ha- we'll have you back on and, and after you've done your next... Uh adventure whatever it is that would be great yeah um so katie thank you so much for taking the time um to talk to us and um yeah yeah like i say keep it's it... okay thank you for having me it's oh, been a pleasure oh thank you so much thanks katie well a huge thank you to katie uh we look forward to seeing where life takes you next i'm pretty sure it's going to be fairly fascinating and a big thanks to you all listening in We're back next month with another interview with someone else who never stops looking for that great adventure. We'll see you then.